everyone. Welcome to the Scallion Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. What a week. Uh, I had Aaron and Matt from Freshless on this week. Uh, I completely screwed up some things at the beginning. I called them both owners. I didn't know what was happening. It was a Monday. I got confused. But anyway, everyone loves Freshless. They're doing great things for the community and uh, really fun podcast. So hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scallion Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. I'm Aaron Bradley. I'm Matt Martin. Hello. Welcome. Uh, we've got two of the three owners of Freshless, four owners. You just said you had 100 employees. I'm very confused. Uh, so excited to have you guys on. Um, obviously, you're big in the Charlotte region and all the chefs talk about you. So let's just start. Tell us your guys' background, what Freshless is. So dance. Yeah. So basically at its core, Freshlist is a business that was developed to help farmers in the Charlotte area access wholesale markets. Um, and I'm kind of I'm our farm coordinator. I was our first employee in Charlotte and I started in full part-time in November of 2017. 2016. Sorry, time flies when you're having fun. Um, and basically, what we started out as we had some farmers that had the capacity to sell at a wholesale level, meaning that they were growing more than four or five pounds worth of stuff, and they was more than they could sell at a farmer's market. But having the knowledge and the ability to sell into a like a restaurant or into any sort of other wholesale channel just took too much time. Um, and so what our two like co-founders, Jesse and Brad, really wanted to do was to help these farmers do what they love, which was farming, and be able to stay on farm and be able to basically access you know, a company that would sell their products for them. And so Freshlist at its core, I call us like a farm-to-table sourcing company, and we're Basically, we sell anything from fruits and vegetables to meats and local pantry products. And we're kind of, as the home delivery business grows, doing more artisan goods, like finished products, too. So what were you doing before Freshlist? So I moved to Charlotte after I graduated from college in 2014, and I taught um, high school history. That was, I was going to change the world and I was going to teach high schoolers. So you're still changing the world. Oh, you should. I say, I wish Siobhan was on here because she was a high school English teacher. Yeah, there's like, there's such a good like combination of people that I've met in the last few years. They're like reformed teachers. And it's really amazing because like there's, we are taught a very specific skill set. And it's so cool to kind of see how other people apply that basic skill set into other things that aren't teaching. Um, And so I worked at a school that was basically a dropout prevention program. So in North Carolina, you can stay in high school until you turn 21. So imagine 22-year-old little Aaron teaching (laughs) 20-and-a-half-year-olds who had absolutely no idea how old she was because I was like, I'm going to make them think I'm 30. And I did a pretty good job of it, actually. Um, so the school that I worked at was half of this dropout prevention program and half a, like a health science magnet school. So the juniors and the seniors were the older kids, um, the kids that were in that dropout prevention program, 
And then the freshmen and the sophomores were all, you know, high achieving middle schoolers who wanted to go into some sort of health science field, which is a really interesting combination of people to put together into one classroom. Um, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I liked, I liked kids. I didn't like the politics that came with teaching and I didn't like necessarily people coming in my room and telling me what to do. So that's why I left teaching and I had worked when I was in college, I'd worked my way through college on a farm north of Raleigh. So I would go, I was at, and I would come home in the summers and I would work like 70 or 80 hours a week on the farm, making the money so that I could go back to college and do whatever I wanted to. I didn't have to have a part-time job in college because I worked so much in the summer. And I was running, because teachers don't make enough money in North Carolina, I was working a second job running roadside farmers markets in farm stands in um, South Charlotte. And Jesse kind of found me there and brought me onto Fresh List. That's cool. Now, Matt, tell you you've been on the pod before. Sure. You have tell tell people about your epic mustache that you have right now. So we've been growing this mustache for five months now. I was I I had the pure you know I had the Joe Dirt as my barber called it. I was growing the mullet. Now I'm growing the lock. So we've got the mustache. We're just trying to bring back the '80s, you know. Now you've got the uh, Joe Exotic look. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, so some of you obviously might know where I was previously to working with Freshlist. Um, since I've lived in North Carolina, I've been here now for about eight years. Um, I started working at Fern, um, Flavors from the Garden, which is a restaurant currently in Dilworth, which is owned by the Something Classic um, Corporation. The Mother Earth Group is what they're called. So they own Fern, they own Halcyon, and then they have Something Classic Catering. So I was the... Um, I started out there, you know, worked my way up, become the Sioux, become the executive chef. And then I ran Fern for about four and a half years. And obviously, while I was at Fern in the early stages of Freshlist's delivery to wholesale restaurants, um, I was one of Freshlist's first customers. It was like me, Tom Marlowe um, from Mimosa and um, Jim Stouffer from Halcyon when yeah. you were in Halcyon. So it's it's really funny to think like literally there's a photo of the first order of Fresh List going out and there's like product that was going to me, which is like, you know, some weird Quentin Tarantino tidbit in the middle of the movie because look at where we're at now, you know? Um, yeah. Matt and I came to the realization I was I worked from home two weeks ago, um, for like the week of Christmas, and we realized it had been the first time that we hadn't physically seen each other in three years was that week that I worked from home because before he came from fresh, like came to work for fresh list, I saw him every single week at Fern. Yeah. <laughs> so inevitably, um, Aaron would always like make these snide comments like, ha ha ha, one day you'll work for us. And then she'd like walk out after delivering to me. And then inevitably it got to a point where Jesse and I have known each other. Uh, Jesse Ledbetter, the owner, obviously a fresh list, uh, him and I have known each other for about six or seven years. Um, he, he like, did a stage with me at Fern early on because he was trying to learn more about how restaurants actually operated so that he could create a better service to the, to the chefs. And then what way to create a better service to the chefs than just recruit the chef, which is sort of my role here at Freshlist. So I handle a lot of the um, delivery logistics and then the, the chef coordination as well. So I'm like, I captain that at work. So you basically... Freshless, you take 
you're kind of the middleman to the restaurants. So you yeah. take the produce from the farmers and figure out what restaurants need it. So how, how do you go, like, tell us, like, do you send out an actual fresh list? Is that how you got the name that said, like, this is what we have this week and this is what you get? Yeah. So every Sunday afternoon, um, the chefs get a list. And that list is comprised of lists that the farmers send me because I'm our farm coordinator. Um, sometime between ideally Friday afternoon, most likely Sunday morning, right before I hit send on the email. And so they send me a list of products that they have and they send me the price that they need to pay. They need to make for it. Um, Freshlist is a little unique in the terms of a wholesale distributor because we don't set pricing. So the big guys are going to tell you, all right, you're going to bring me 24 bunches of kale and I'm going to pay you $12 for it. Um, with at Freshlist, we allow the farmers to set their own pricing and then we add a markup on top of whatever they set their pricing as. So all of that goes into an Excel spreadsheet that gets uploaded into software that Freshlist has built um, that basically makes it prettier. Um, so it looks, imagine if you had like an Amazon shopping cart that doesn't have photos. It's just a big old list. Um, and it goes out as an email and as a text message. So they have, they get that list on Sunday around noon um, and they have until Tuesday at 10 a.m. to place their orders. Um, and then we close the order cycle. We, 90% of what the, our chefs are getting next week will be picked the, in 48 hours before they receive it. So you're also getting access to a product that's a heck of a lot fresher because it's not been sitting in a warehouse. It's not traveled, you know, across the state. It's not traveled across the country. You know, when Joe and Amy from Boy and Girl Farm bring me turnips Wednesday afternoon, that's because they dug them Wednesday morning. So they'll dig them Wednesday morning. You know, they drop them off to us Wednesday afternoon. And then they're in, you know, Paul Verica or Ashley Boyd's kitchen Thursday afternoon. That's cool. So, so basically the farmers are looking at their fields and saying, it's time to harvest this next week. This is what we're going to have. So they don't, so when they send you the list, it's still in the ground basically. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. That's which cool. is, which is fun. Um, it allows, I think it allows for the chefs to have a more authentic relationship with their food because they're, they're picking it you know, literally like from a catalog every single week. So how, how do you guys go about getting the farmers? Um, so that was like my first job at Freshlist and I spent literally three months cold emailing everyone in the greater area based on an email list that, or based on a listing from the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. So the greater was, area, what do you mean by what's, what's the, area you guys service so a like in the immediate area fresh list services farms that are in within like an hour hour and 15 minute circle around charlotte um and that is our core farmer group we have a couple of farms like in the mountains and in virginia that will come on for certain products like last year we did a lot of fingerling potatoes from a farm that's just that's um near blacksburg virginia but that's because one of the farmer that owns that had worked on a farm down here. And so we had worked with her when she was here, she moved off to start her own farm and then came back to Freshlist when she had an abundance of product. 
Um, so fresh list farms are about anywhere within an hour reach of Charlotte. And then we're a part of the South Carolina Food Hub Network um, because some of our farms are in South Carolina. So we pull product from the Greenville Spartanburg area through Swamp Rabbit Cafe in Greenville. And then we pull product from Charleston, the low country via Grow Food Carolina, which is based in downtown Charleston. These other little food hubs like Aaron is talking about kind of do a lot of the same work that we do. Um, and obviously like we, we know their vetting process is very similar to ours. And the beautiful thing about it is like when strawberry season happens, you know, Charleston is gonna be warmer, they're gonna get them before we do. So can we sell strawberries from Charleston? Absolutely, which is great. So those come on season first, we'll sell those. And then as our people, uh, you know, as it gets warmer in our area and our people have them, we stop getting them from Charleston and we sell the people that are local or that are closer to us. And it's cool because from the chef perspective, they might, you know, the strawberry season might only last six weeks, but because we can pull from Charleston and then because we have it and then because we pull from our friends at Bush and Vine, obviously in South Carolina, we can extend that season to be almost 12 weeks instead of only six, which is cool because if you're making a menu, you know, and you want to, to count on that product and you obviously want it to be as local as possible, it gives you that, you know, that, um, that amount of time to have it menu, yeah. which is cool. And it also works in the re in the reverse. So like we'll start like we had strawberries for Valentine's Day last year, um, and so that was the first of the Charleston ones. And then come like the middle of June, they're done in Charleston, and we'll ship Barbie Farms Concord strawberries down to Charleston. So it works kind of in a really fun circle, as if they can start the season, and then we can kind of finish and extend the season, not only for our own chefs, but for the chefs in Charleston and the chefs in Greenville too. That's cool. Okay, I'm going to tee up a very easy question, which is why is it important for you to, to use these local farms and local ingredients in the restaurants? Do you want to go first, Matt? Yeah, I'll go first. I think that whenever you can tell a great story and whenever you can be captivating and passionate about something that you're doing, it's going to sell better just in general in life. So like if I'm telling you about how incredible Barbie Farm sweet potatoes are and then you're like, well, who is that guy? And I'm like, what do you mean, Brent? Like he lives like 20 minutes from here. Like Brent's the man. Like he's a he's a good father. You know, he's a good husband. He's a steward of the land. And then like I can just talk forever about how awesome it is to work with him. And then like all of a sudden you're like, this Brent guy seems like the man. I want to meet him. And then I'm like, well, you can't because he's not at the restaurant, but you can eat this dish that I've made with his product. And then all of a sudden the consumer now knows that that guy exists in town and they can get excited and they can get interested in, in figuring out things for themselves, you know, and figuring out where they can get his products or what market set he's at and things like that. And I think the importance of something that I always say at work is how many of us can name a YouTube celebrity who lives in Colorado or who lives in California and we watch everything that they do and we know their kids' names, but we can't tell you where the food in our own refrigerator is coming from. It's like, well, we can. You just have to do the work and you have to be excited and you have to buy in the way that you do to this YouTube person that you follow, you know, who's telling you about new Nike SBs or whatever. So, <laughs> 
it's <clears throat> it's important because not only are the products a better quality, not only do you know that they're coming to you out of the ground faster, um, but when you get to know these people, you just get more connected to what you're doing and you care more. Um, and I think that that's what's important. And, and from the restaurant perspective, it makes it you know it makes the food sell itself almost when a wait staff can be like, you know. We've been over to Barbie Farms. It's huge. It's only 20 minutes out of, you know, Charlotte. It's amazing. Or have you been down to Bush and Vine? You know, you can bring your whole family there. You can pack a picnic. You can you can spend the whole day there. There's kids activities. There's trails. And then you leave with the, all the groceries that you need for the week. And it's just like, why wouldn't you do that if you could choose that? Yeah, like this spring when I saw like some of the sous chefs and the wait staff that were taking their kids to pick strawberries at Bush and Vine, I was like, my work here is done. Like we have, we are really trying to connect people back to where their food comes from, because I mean, the last like 60 or 75 years in America, you know, the majority of people moved off of farms. You know, the majority of our, you know, especially if your family like mine has been in the South for a long time, your family 75 years ago grew something. Like they had a garden, they may have had chickens, they may have had pigs, and that was a, it was a subsistence lifestyle and you know, history major post-World War II, we moved away from that because people didn't want, you know, it was easier to just go to the grocery store and it was easier to just buy all your food from there, um, from your local grocer. And then all of a sudden your local grocer turned into, you know, a grocery store that has, you know, 50, 75 or 100 stores. And so it's really hard for people who live in cities to have a connection to their food because that connection has kind of been broken. It's been taken away from them, um, which is kind of part of the reason we have such an issue with food waste in the United States is because we don't see where it comes from. We don't see all the people's hands that it had to pass through to get to you. So we're really trying with everything that we do to connect people back to the people who are growing their food and, and to really prove that farming can be a profitable and like a good way to live your life because we are seeing the average age of a farmer in America right now, you know, is over 60 years old. So if we don't start supporting local agriculture, we don't start supporting the people who are growing the food in our community, we're not going to have food in our community anymore. You know, it's all going to come out of Mexico or California or Florida from, you know, big corporate farms and not from small people anymore. And we know that food tastes better when it's grown on a smaller scale. I love it. So if you're a so if you're a new farmer and you want to get involved with Freshless, like how do how do they do that? They just contact you. Yeah. So they most they'll email us, and then a combination of myself and Gigi, who's our food safety coordinator, um, will kind of walk them through the process on how to be onboarded. Um, and it's we do like a, a basic um, like safety survey with them because we want to make sure that the food that you know we are consuming in restaurants and now that people are consuming in their homes is safe. Um, so we do not require our farmers to be what's called GAP certified or good agricultural practices certified um, the way a Harris Teeter or a Lowe's Foods would because that process is incredibly expensive and it's not you know for farmers who are farming under 60 or 75 acres that you can't really make your money back on it. But we do do like mock audits of those things. And so you, the, we can ensure that your food is as safe you know, as it came from a grocery store. And then the farmers, they can kind of decide what products that they want to sell through Freshlist. You know, we don't require you to 
you know, sell us everything that you have, you can basically just sell us what you have in excess. So if you know that you're really good at growing, you know, chioga beets and you are really good at growing carrots, but you don't like the way that your sweet potatoes look all the time, you don't have to sell us your sweet potatoes. Um, you can sell those at farmer's market. You can sell those to a chef on your own. Um, and it's basically with our new farmers, it's an education piece. You know, this is how you know things should come to us. This is how things should be packaged to make sure that they last longer. Um, because the majority of them have come out of a farmer's market. So they know how to prepare food that goes to a market that's going to sit on a shelf for you know six or seven hours maybe, and then go back and go straight into refrigerators. So there's another step that goes into, okay, this is how to make this food look good in someone's walk-in. You know, and that, that food may sit in a walk-in for a week or two, but we want to make sure that when that arugula hits a plate, you know, a week and a half after it was harvested, that it still looks as good as the day it was harvested. So you got the farmers. Now talk about your team. Like, because you were telling me before that you've got 10 employees now, which is amazing. So obviously you guys have grown. Like what what other things are you guys providing other than the direct connection to the chefs? So obviously, so our team, we have eight people um, confirmed, I think, right? Eight. Well, plus Josh and Brad. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. 10 people, of course. I Not that I don't count them, but they're not in the office every day. They, they work remotely. They're in Texas. So I always forget that. Um, what do they do in Texas? So Brad kind of ho- uh, takes on the role of like our CFO. Um, we've raised a couple of rounds of fundraising to get us to the point where we are. And Brad's um, worked with Jesse, who's our owner in Charlotte, to help maintain that process. And then Josh is our tech guy. So the platform that we use for wholesale, Josh built from scratch. And so he, we are constantly kind of evolving that piece of software to make it as user-friendly as possible. Um, and because it's technology, sometimes it breaks or, you know, we may have a bug. And so Josh is the one that I can email or text SOS, something is broken. And he's, because he built that piece of software, very good at quickly fixing it. So if you were to start at the top, obviously you've got Jesse who works on very big picture things. Jesse really makes sure that we have jobs in the future. That's what, you know, Jesse's focusing on those things, long-term big projects, making sure that we have a place to grow, making sure that we have different narrative and different directions as we continue forward. Aaron is working on making sure that our farmers are taken care of and handled, making sure that their needs are met and making sure that the chefs have a very robust and large list to purchase from. And then obviously that large list of uh, available to the chefs then goes into our retail, um, which is the large list that's available for people to order off of our website, which we'll talk about in just a second. And then you've got Gigi. Gigi handles all of our food safety, not only with the restaurants, not only with with the farmers, but internal safety, making sure that our warehouse is up to date, making sure that things are, all of the chemicals and material safety data are, are, are on hand and, you know, making sure that we are as safe to work in the environment that we work in. Um, and she handles a bunch of other stuff too. She's, she's a queen. She's a gem. Um, and then you've got me who handles all of the logistics and all of the chef coordination. So I'm, and, and then I handle media and I, Eventually, uh, once the COVIDs is over, I will handle uh, relations with public, like doing special events and things like that, where we can be more front-facing to the consumer. Um, And then you've got our 
Second, uh, well, and then you have our operations team who uh, is comprised of um, right now of two people, Jacob and Phil. They make sure that the warehouse duties are taken care of. So they're physically breaking units down from the farmers into smaller units for retail and for chefs. They're packing all of those orders. They're doing the delivery of all of those orders and they're making sure that everybody is getting their product as fast as possible. And then you've got Caroline, uh, Caroline Brown, who is uh, previously of Feast Food Tours. Um, she is our retail um, coordinator now. She, she, what is it called? Strategist. Strategist. I like we that. We love making up our own titles at Freshless. So Caroline named herself yeah. retail strategist. It's the best. So Caroline not only handles all of the retail relationships, if you have an issue and you email the website, Caroline is the person who's going to be taking care of that. She handles onboarding new products for the website. She handles updating the website and making sure that the retail experience that you're having through Freshlist is taken care of in every capacity. She literally like two weeks ago just got a sous chef, um, <clears throat> Glennis Brown. Um, Glennis is um, previously of Duke's Bread. Um, she used to run Adam's Operation uh, and she's moved on and now she's working with us helping out with the retail side. So Glennis is going to be handling a lot of uh, website updates, making sure that all of uh, our items on there are, you know, available, making sure that everything has a really nice clean photos, and then just handling a lot of just the extra stuff that we needed help with. So at the core, that's our team currently uh, in-house that if you were to come and pick up your order at Freshlist, who you, you might pop into and, and might see. So is the idea long-term that you want to replicate this in other cities? We've gone back and forth on this. Um, and what we've kind of come to realize is how incredibly important the relationships that we have in Charlotte are and like having a genuine connection to, you know, the farmers and to the people that we're serving. Um, there are, we've had talks with other groups who have wanted to do this in, you know, completely different states and then other cities in North Carolina, but we really want to make sure that at its core, Freshless stays genuine to our mission, which is helping support the people in your direct, you know, environment and ecosystem. So we, if we were to go to Asheville or we go to Raleigh or we were to go to Wilmington, we would not want to just send them a whole bunch of products from Charlotte farms and Charlotte food makers and sell in Raleigh. That wouldn't be the intention. We would want to make sure that as many of those, you know, many Raleigh and Durham area farms were listed. So we have talked about it. Um, we're always down for the challenge, but right now, no. Yeah. We, it would seem like you would take like your team that you have now and just create another team like that in this other city that would have the connection with, you know, you wouldn't kind of sell everything from Charlotte. You'd kind of create another team there with, cause you built the software that you can kind of duplicate over. Yeah. And like we've really spent 2020 nailing down our systems. Um, you know, we, had dabbled in the retail side of the business before we had done pop-ups we had done some you know things with corporate campuses but not at the level of home delivery that we were doing you know we've done post-covid so we really spent a lot of time in 2020 getting our systems down which is the reason a lot of people don't know that freshless does retail and that is um that was a deliberate decision on our part is that we didn't want to provide a bad customer experience to people when we were still learning how to grow this business um, so we kind of started out practicing on Jesse's friends and immediate neighbors and have, have kind of expanded that business since then. 
um, so that in 2021, now that we know that we have the systems and we know how to pack a box and we know what farmers and what producers that we can trust to be consistent, because, you know, it's one thing to text a chef, you know, I'm sorry, chef, your beets aren't coming in. Like, it's another thing to have to email 25 retail customers and say, hey, your beets aren't coming in. So we wanted to, to take the time to really to build out that customer experience piece and make sure that we had it before we really started pushing it. So I'm not a chef, <laughs> although I can use the microwave pretty well. Um, <laughs> so if I want to get um, something from Freshless, how does that work for me? So you would go online to freshless.com and you would you can put in your address and you see if you are eligible for our home delivery radius. So right now um, we do home deliveries in Belmont, Plaza Midwood, um, and in areas of Dilworth and South Park and South End. Um, if you do not fall inside our delivery radius, you can pick a drop point partner. Um, and so we work with 7th Street Public Market, with Lenny Boy Brewing, with Free Range Brewing, and with uh, Tip Top Market on the plaza to kind of facilitate areas that we don't we don't have the capacity right now to serve for doorstep delivery. So if you lived, you know, I live in Cotswold, we don't do home delivery to Cotswold. Yeah, we're in Rock Hill, we're fucked. So. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> but you can go to Lenny Boy, which is right off 77 and pick your Yeah, house. exactly. So, so like, do you, is the product like, constantly evolving on the website or is it a specific date where you release the stuff that you can order from? It really changes every single week. I mean, honestly, which is why we have to send out the updated list to the chefs every single week. And then, which is why Caroline's job is so difficult because the, the different various climates and then obviously the different, you know, weather patterns that happen can affect so much of what our farmers are growing. So, the, the website is constantly evolving, um, not only with just the produce and the fruits and the things like that, but obviously with the uh, with the um, more more uh, artisan products, you know, those are going to stay a little bit more consistent because those things are going to be shelf stable. Um, but it's always changing. You always have to tune back in to see what we have, what's exciting this week, and see what so do you do. Do you do delivery like every day, or is it you order on Sundays and gets delivered on Tuesdays, kind of like the chefs? So the, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, so right now um, you order, the retail orders are due by Tuesday at 3 p.m. And then you would get your delivery either Friday or Saturday, depending on what neighborhood you were in. Um, we do some deliveries Friday afternoons and then some deliveries Saturday mornings. I got you. But um, stay tuned. We're looking at, we're trying to kind of shorten that delivery time frame um, come spring. So Hopefully it'll be shorter in the future. So talk about like some of the coolest products that you guys get. Like what's something that from the farmers you're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to like take one off the shelf and no one will know about it. (laughs) So we're getting ready to hit Kalette season, which is like my favorite time of the year. Um, Joe and Amy at Boy and Girl Farm are like the only people that grow Kalettes on a large size. So a kaolette is like a Brussels sprout. Like, I think it's a Brussels sprout size, but it's got little kale leaves on it, and they're crispy. They're super, duper crispy, and they're super fun. Um, and they're also, for someone who's not a really great cook like I am, super easy to, like, cook. You cannot mess up a kaolette. 
You can put them in the oh, pan. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Put them in the pan with a little bit of oil and a little bit of garlic, and like four minutes later, they're perfect. Um, and that's like one of those things like you can't go into a grocery store and get a kale at. Um, kumquats are really fun. We're getting ready to hit kumquat season. Um, what else, Matt? What's crazy to me is like when we get a product for the first of the season, because it like shows you that it shouldn't be in the grocery store year round. So for instance, like in early spring, when we get into asparagus and you walk into the walk-in at Fresh List and there's literally 400 pounds of asparagus and it just like smells of this like euphoric, just greenness. Like it's hard to explain, but like when we get the first of the seasons, whatever that product is, it's incredible. Uh, and it's really hard to resist it because you see it the way that you should be seeing it. Like we shouldn't have these things available to us year round. And, and when you get it in the season that it's available, it becomes more special and you want to cook as much of it as possible, which is exciting to me. Love that. So how many farmers do you guys service now? So Fresh List, as Fresh List, we have about 100 that we work with in the region. Um, you know, some of them are, are on the list every single week and then some of them, you know, hop on and off. Um, and then through the Food Hub Network, we have access to about another 150 or 200 um, through our other through the other companies like us. So basically our goal is that like if you want something, I can find it for you. That's like my favorite thing is when people are just like, hey, I want this like roll obscure thing that I saw on Instagram. It's my job to go and find that thing. <laughs> so what's the most obscure thing someone's asked you for? Oh. Well, it's it's hard to say what the most obscure thing was because people would ask people have asked for very odd items, but then we had people who used to forage for us, like, you know, Clark Farm. Like, 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 like young pine cone. <laughs> yeah. And then people are taking, what did you say, Aaron? Spruce tips. Yes, yeah, spruce tips. These weird, you know, it's like people know what ramps are as the foraged item or like what chanterelles are as the foraged item. But there was a whole damn forest Clark was bringing to us earlier. Well, did you know that magnolia leaves, when you dry them, taste like bay leaves? We didn't, but Clark did. <laughs> that's because they're talking about Clark Barlow. Clark, yeah. 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 Clark Barlow, formerly of Heirloom, now of uh, the woods of Oregon. <laughs> well, what's exciting about it is like somebody, for instance, might ask for a product that we don't grow in our region, and then that gives us the opportunity to explain like our climate isn't good for that. So like we can't pull that from our direct network of North Carolina and South Carolina people, but we might be able to pull it from like Tennessee. And then we ask our question to ourselves, like, is this as close as we can get it? Is this as local as possible? Sometimes the answer for that is yes. Like right now we're pulling pecans from Georgia and like the farm that we're working with down there, um, you know, they do a lot of really great work with their community and their product rules. So it's like, do we feel good about carrying this product? The answer is yes, which is why we have it, you know? And then there's some things that like our soil in this immediate area is not good for growing. Um, on the North Carolina side, we have a lot of red clay. Um, and so like Cipollini onions are something that chefs are really used to being able to get. They just, they don't grow in clay. 
But what we were able to do is find a red torpedo onion, which is a similar size and a similar type of onion that can be grown here. So it's not exact same product that you thought that you were gonna get, but it's as close as we can get it given our current agricultural confines. So if someone asks you for a pineapple, you're like, you're out of luck. Well, yeah. we actually, we, we have these little pineapples that people grow <laughs> that like, I've never seen one consumed and like people can have pineapple trees that will produce fruit singular. Like it will produce one pineapple. <laughs> we do a week of local kiwis every fall. There's a farm in Greenville that grows kiwi vines and we literally have enough for one week. Yeah. Um, one, but, one of the better examples of that is like pomegranates you know, small city farm, Kim Shaw, she grew, you know, pomegranates and we were able to have local pomegranates for like a week. And like, people were like, I want 30 pounds. And we were like, she might have 30 pounds all day. You're going to get three pomegranates and you're going to be excited <laughs> about it. Yeah. It's going to be like, we like, it's kind of fun to walk into walk-ins um, sometimes. And people will be like, these are the fresh list, you know, pomegranates. These are the fresh list kiwis. Like, do not touch. Yeah. It's something that like once you get it and like it's also kind of fun for the chefs because they get to explain to their line cooks. They get to explain to their sous chefs like this is how this product is supposed to taste. And because it's so special, you know, we're going to use it in this specific way. So like Five Church and Sophia's Lounge did a specific, you know, different pomegranate set for Kim's pomegranates than they would do um, for like a Cisco pomegranate because they were sweeter, because they were more special. So you're getting a, a different, it's a completely different product, you know, because it hasn't sat, you know, in a walk-in, like it got picked, you know, Kim picked it Thursday morning and it was in the walk-in at five church Thursday afternoon. So, so like, is there an armed guard that takes these pomegranates? Cause it seems like people are going to break in. Kim, Kim would consider herself an army <laughs> Um I fought long and hard to get like the pomegranates and like some of the other specialty stuff because I mean they're and it's with a lot of the farms we worked with like this is their second or third year selling with Freshlist and there were things in the beginning that I couldn't get like I wasn't an important enough customer like they were going to sell those products direct or they were going to eat them themselves but now you know you write someone a check every single week and they kind of let you in on the good stuff. So we're getting to the point now where we're, we have a really good product mix because we're getting into like the next tier of the cool stuff. Which goes back to really the importance of knowing the people that you work with and then the relationships that we have to build. I mean, there's a lot of trust that goes into representing these farmers because these people aren't going to the restaurant like they used to. You know, they're coming to us and then we're really representing them. So when I'm explaining to you why, you know, Bell's Best turmeric or why Wincrest's turmeric or whatever is so great, it's like I then become the the spokesperson and the salesman for that farmer, you know, which that's a lot of trust because that's how they're making their money, obviously, selling their products. Yeah, that's cool. So basically, let's kind of go back a little bit. So when you, when FreshBooks was founded, so when was FreshBooks founded? When he 15. Yeah, I was gonna say 14, 15. So were so were you the first employee? I was, but I didn't come along until um, so Freshlist initially, when Jesse and Brad founded it, um, was not going to be a middleman. It was going to be a software company. So they had they were going to build software where chefs and farmers could interact together 
and Freshlist would just take a percentage as being basically like a like a web hosting fee. So basically, wow. like uh, like an eBay or something, where the farm would be like, I've got turnips. Exactly. And so they would be like, like, a, like a Shopify for local yeah. farms. So they would upload their products, and then the chefs could go online to the website, see the product, and then the farmer would deliver that product direct. So they launched it. They had this huge big dinner at Fahrenheit. Like it was really great. Um, I cooked. I cooked that night. I was there. <laughs> What'd you cook? Uh, I made a mushroom mousse. Uh, and then I made um, pickled beets and Duke's bread toast points with uh, some sort of micro. I think it was pea shoots from Mindy. Um, and I was like the I was like the new kid on the block, so I got the appetizer course. They were like, "Give that kid the app, get him out of here." <laughs> um, and then Babalu Taco on East Boulevard, rest in peace. Uh, I love Babalu. I did too. Like I used to live right down the road and we ate a lot of Bobaloo when it first opened and now it's going to be a bank, which is strange every time. I Got America. It. Yeah. Um, Bobaloo placed an order for grits. Um, the grits didn't show up. Someone else put an order in for, I think it was turnip greens and the farmer brought mustard greens because they're like, it's kind of similar. And so Jesse was getting emails saying, you know, the farmers aren't bringing the product that I wanted and, so they kind of had to close that and like reevaluate. And what we they found, what Jesse found when he did a reevaluation is that there was not the infrastructure in Charlotte to be able to make these transactions easy. Um, that there needed to really be a middleman. And so he bought a van and Towns at Lenny Boy rented him a fourth of a walk-in cooler. And Jesse set off to be a one-person food hub. Um, and that lasted like two months. And he realized that 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 he had more to do than he could handle. And that's when he brought me on. So originally it was just a tech company. And now we're a, you know, we weren't going to have any infrastructure. We weren't going to have, you know, physical presence, but because of the line of business, what Jesse discovered is that it really needed someone, you know, who, who could hold hands in a good way. So like today, if a farmer doesn't have turnip greens, you know, and a chef ordered turnip greens, I go, okay, like who else has turnip greens? Where else can I get this product from? The chef gets a sub and chances are they're not going to know that, you know, anything happened on the back end. They're not going to know, but it's still classified on their invoice, what farm that it did come from. So everything is source identified when you're the chef and obviously on our retail website. So like if for whatever reason, you know, our partners at Grow Food didn't have kale, but Phyllis from Dabhar did, you'll get your invoice and it will say, you know, two pounds kale, Dabhar farm. So that the, the, the restaurant is obviously still knowing where everything is coming from. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of companies now they're trying to eliminate the need for people. You know, you're trying to build the software co company, mm -hmm. but you need the human touch still to like, facilitate a lot of things especially when you're coming from a farmer who like probably doesn't have the best people skills and they're like oh yeah turnips that's the same thing as a beet and like the chef's like no it's not and you need that kind of person in the middle to facilitate everything and uh you can't just do that on a web post somewhere yeah and there are some farmers that really enjoy you know seeing chefs every week that enjoy seeing people every week and then you have some that are just like you're going to come and you're going to pick it up for me and i don't need to know where it goes you're going <laughs> to check for it and that's as far as i want to see it um and what's so cool when it comes to the substitutes is like 
Aaron will be like, hey, Matt, there's no green curly kale. What could, what do we have access to that is an okay sub? Like is mustard greens okay? Is turnip greens okay? We can access collards. Will that be similar? Or there's, you know, X, Y, Z product that we might be able to sub. And then her and I will be like, okay, well, let's offer this and then let them know that's another option. So like, there's always this like, you know, chain of how we're making sure the end person, whether it's a chef or a retail customer is still getting taken care of with the thing that they wanted in case there is a substitute. Yeah. And it, I mean, there was a period of time where Matt and I knew most like the sets that people had on menus, like we knew what most of those were in town. So even if we couldn't like and we would know, you know this is what Paul Barrick is going to do with these turnips. So we knew like, all right, this is the size of turnip Paul needs. This is the you know color of turnip that Paul needs. So it's that extra layer of Matt, you know, teaching me now this is how you know, this is how this product is going to be utilized so that we can do those substitutes better. So you've mentioned a bunch of chefs. So how many restaurants in town are you guys servicing? I think that, so it's hard because a lot of people get our list because, you know, they might be working at one place and then leave that place, but they're still able to access the list. So I think we have, there's like 400 people on the list now. And that some people, some restaurants will have like at Goodyear house, like, Rocky gets the list, Tyler gets the list, the bar manager gets the list. So that we've seen, you know, now the executive chefs are kind of passing off some of those ordering duties to people, to the Sioux, so the Sioux can be more creative. You know, you have some people like Myers Park Country Club where most of the kitchen staff gets the list and it allows them to, even if they're not the ones placing the order, they can see what's there and they can use it as inspiration. So I think, yeah, there's 400 people that get the list on an it, average week, how many? On an average week, I would say we rotate between 40 to 60 different restaurants would be my guess, between delivery and then between people coming to Freshlist themselves to pick up. Um, and that all just depends because not every restaurant orders every week, obviously. Um, there are some restaurants uh, that order every week. We see you. We love you. Um, but, you know, some places... Uh, obviously within what 2020 was, you know, might not have the capacity. So they're ordering every other week. Some people, you know, like I used to use Freshlist services when I was at Fern for my brunch menu because product was coming in on Thursday and then everything on Fern's brunch was going to be as local as possible so that I could really tell that story for one service a week. And that was like how I utilized it. So everybody sort of has their own way of, of using it. But per week, I would say, you know, we're, we're in between 40 and 60 different restaurants, you know, seeing, seeing all of our friends. I love it. All right. So tell us about your new little, uh, thing that you guys are doing. This is Matt's baby. He's so proud right. of it. So what we do at Fresh List obviously is very important. We try to help farmers and by helping farmers, we sell their stuff to chefs. So obviously we've got two main people that we're really trying to take care of. We are here first and foremost to make sure that farmers are being taken care of, but the byproduct of that is obviously taking care of all of our chefs. When 2020 happened, um, you know, nonsense, COVID, all of that, we've been thinking about ways in which we could help give back to restaurants. Uh, restaurants are obviously what keep us in business. Without the restaurants to buy the product from the farmer, you know, we would be up the creek. 
So we had all of these different ideas about how we could make it so that our restaurant could get a reaccord, like could get money essentially. So we came up with um, a program called Community Supported Restaurants. So like Aaron had alluded to earlier, community supported agriculture is when you buy in to uh, a farm's product or products that they're going to grow for a certain season. So we took that same principle, but applied it to 10 different restaurants. So this is our pilot program that we're running. This is the first time that we've done this. And what we're doing is um, for 10 weeks, you'll get a meal that feeds two people from a different restaurant um, for a 10 week period. So those restaurants on our list um, for this first go around of CSR, we wanted to make sure that it was a banger. So we've got people like 300 East, we've got Mimosa, we've got Plant Joy, we've got Lee and Louise, we've got Kindred, Stanley, um, we've got Good Food on Montford, we've got, um, oh yep. man, what'd you say? The big hitters. Yeah. We swung for the stars and everyone was just like, yeah, sure, why not? We're like, yes, we, yeah. got, we got our dream team. Yeah, and, and we, what we are doing is we are selling a subscription for 10 weeks, and then if you're that restaurant that week, when I come to pick up, you're going to get a fat check from us. Um, and that check is going to come to you on a Thursday, and you're going to be doing that prep on a Wednesday where we know restaurants are slow. So the whole point was knowing that there's sort of this gap in Charlotte that exists between you know January and spring where restaurants do slow down. So you know, if a restaurant um, isn't having a good Wednesday or isn't having a good Thursday, you know, they'll have that week. That's their week where they'll get a check that they can count on from us. And then if you're the consumer and you buy into this subscription for 10 weeks, you're going to get restaurant quality food either delivered to your door or to your drop point location. And basically you're building in 10 different date nights, you know, for the next 10 weeks that you can experience all these different restaurants. I mean, you couldn't eat at two or three of these restaurants for the price of the subscription. And you're gonna get to you know, sample and get an understanding of what these places do and offer. And if you're somebody who's buying into the subscription, you might find out like, oh my God, 300 East is incredible. How the hell have I never been there? Because you eat their food on the week that is 300 East's week. So it's kind of like you're getting in one of those like candy bar samplings and you figure out what candy bar you like and then you're like oh i'm gonna go back there that's really uh and that's kind of the purpose like in in agriculture like a community supported agriculture subscription is something that you purchase up front you know january february march and that the farmers will take that money and use it to buy seeds and to buy you know drip tape and the other things that they need to start the farm off for the year so they start off in a positive so with the CSR program, what we were really trying to do is say, all right, look, like you're going to get a check from us this week that's your week. And this is our pilot program. And if it goes well, what we're going to look to do is be able to do more of these programs. I and just want to say, sorry to cut you off. I want to say all 10 restaurants because I missed a few. So I'm going to hit them with you right now, okay? I'm going to bleep them out, but sure. Bleep them out, please. Like uh, <laughs> we've got Sea Level, 300 East, the Stanley. Plant Joy, Goodyear House, Mimosa, Haberdish, Good Food on Montford, Lee and Louise, and Kindred. That's a pretty that's a pretty all-star list. 
step to this list. Try it. Go ahead. <laughs> We're going to do um, cocktail kits will be available from Amanda Britton and her team at Bana um, because we wanted to be able, like, if you wanted an alcohol pairing, it's it would be kind of a mess to get it from each one. So there'll be um, cocktail kits from Amanda on the site every week that you can purchase as add-ons to your restaurant meal that week. So, so, so this is, so you, and you're only doing 25 for this first round. Correct. So, and this is posting, that's, this is posting on the 17th. So it'll probably be sold out by then, but if it's not, you can go on the freshlist, freshlist.com and purchase. And if not, if it's successful and it sells out, you'll, do more down the road yeah and then there'll also be some some weeks restaurants that are larger and have a bigger capacity will be offering a la carte meals and so if there if you didn't want to buy into the whole subscription but you wanted you know you knew it was you know your wife's birthday you could get you know if in her birthday was the week that sea level was on you can a la carte buy the meal from sea level mm, she doesn't deserve that but i understand i get your point <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a really cool concept because I think it's good for people. You know, they might not want to go out to all these restaurants, but it gives them the sampling some um, and really it's kind of like you go to one of those events where you get one little dish from each one, but now you're bringing it to their door. Like, there's no work involved, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and all of the meals will be reheat ready. They're gonna feed two people, and like you're saying, like what we're trying to do is. Let's say this COVID nonsense continues, obviously, until, you know, April, May, June or whatever. With this program, the start date is going to be February 9th and it's going to end April 9th or something like that. Very close to those dates. So when April happens, say things are getting a little bit more safe and then you've gotten this subscription and then all of a sudden you're like, we need to eat physically in the Stanley or we need to physically go to Goodyear House and or Haberdish and be in that restaurant and actually experience the atmosphere because now that we've had that sampling of food we know that these are our people we know that this food is incredible and that's really what we want to do we want to make it so that people are hyped to go back to restaurants whenever people feel comfortable and safe to do that I love it so if you're just a, a nobody like me can you go on the Freshless website and sign up is there a newsletter that you can uh so you know these fun things are happening? Yes. So you can go online to freshlist.com and um, sign up to get Caroline's weekly retail email. Um, and then you can also just like Instagram is probably the best place to keep track of what's going on because Matt is really trying to build out, you know, so anytime there's a new product. Just Freshlist at Freshlist? At Freshlist CLT. CLT. Okay. So CLT. you kind of. If you're not following them, who are you? <laughs> You said it, not us. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's just a good, like, Freshlist is probably the best, or the Instagram is probably the best way to keep track of us. And then you can obviously go onto the website and every week things are changing um, as we're kind of trying to build out the products that are on there. Um, and as we inch closer to spring, you know, we'll move away for like right now we're in citrus season and we're in root vegetable season. And then you know, soon we'll be in strawberries and we'll be in asparagus and we'll be in ramps. And we're gonna try and do more of the foraged products on home delivery this year so that you can really it's really nice because you can eat the same food that you know the top chefs in charlotte are cooking in their kitchens you can cook in your kitchen um and then we also have a partnership with a nonprofit called the bulb gallery and where we bring in product every week for them they're going into these programs 
and then they're taking that the extra stuff that we have or the extra stuff that the farms have and doing it um, at cost uh, mobile farmers markets in areas that don't have grocery stores. So we're also trying to like give back in that way. And you can go on freshlist.com and purchase product for the bulb too. I love it. This has been amazing. I've learned so much. Um, Cause I, you know, as a non chef, all the chefs are always like freshlist. It's amazing. And now to have a conversation with you guys and really understand and all the cool stuff you're doing, plus this new CSR, it sounds awesome. So you guys are doing great work. One more question though, which is the question we ask everybody. So you should be prepared, Matt. I'm prepared. I don't know if Aaron is. I should have texted her. What's the best thing you ate this week? I'll give Aaron a second to think. Uh, I have my answer locked and loaded and ready to go. So uh, Hannah from Moonbox Bakery is doing a pop-up on um, this coming Monday with Rob Clement, previously of Porterhouse, now of Meshuggah's CLT and Piedmont's Bounty and uh, all of the other exciting things Rob has going on. Um, I delivered um, to where Hannah works, uh, where, where her commissary is, uh, Aunt's Kitchen in Gastonia on Friday, and she is testing out a carrot cake. And it's vegan, and she gave me a sample of it uh, for me to like eat and to give her some feedback and some notes on, which if anybody has any vegan products that they need somebody to eat and give them notes, I'm always here for the community, so just let me know. Um, so she gave me this uh, sample of carrot cake, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, it was a really beautifully spiced cake. It had toasted walnuts on top of it, and it had a vegan cream cheese frosting, which was great. Uh, if you haven't experienced Moonbox Bakery yet, definitely follow her on Instagram. Uh, she's a, she's a one-woman show. She's a savage. She's a super kind heart, and she's very, very talented. Um, so her carrot cake, and then coming up on Monday, I'd be remiss not to mention, Rob is doing a vegan Reuben uh, at his Meshugana Moonbox pop-up over at Free Range, and he sent me some behind-the-scene photos that were not safe for work of this celery root that he is preparing, and I am so damn excited to eat that Reuben. I know, I have something going on tomorrow, but I really want, he has the, he makes the best pastrami sandwiches non-vegan in town for those of you non-vegans but yeah all of this stuff is amazing and you all should check that out even though that'll be last monday so it's gone yeah yeah rob yeah, yeah you definitely follow Moshogana and keep track of his uh, pop-up schedule because i have uh, a matzo ball soup that i'm getting tomorrow that i'm very excited to try okay. and his wife makes the uh, black and white cookies and those black and white cookies are chef's guess um, i think so we've been onboarding a whole bunch of new like value added producers onto the freshlist.com for their retail website because that was something we were asking our customers like what do you want like, people wanted more take and bake stuff and so mary jane wilson who used to run amelie's has struck out on her own making pot pies that will soon be available for sale on freshlist.com she decided to drop off uh, chicken pot pie samples to us this week which I think is the best chicken pot pie I've ever eaten in my life. Do not tell my mother is something that she takes pride in for chicken pot pies, but Mary Jane were absolutely perfect. Um, if I could die eating her pie crust, I think I would. Um, so that was probably the best thing that I ate this week. Um, that's, that's amazing. Okay. You guys have been great. Tell us, okay. Freshlist.com, Freshlist CLT. 
where else can we find fresh lists where can we follow you guys because matt's always doing wrestling fun wrestling stuff um i have a personal which is just underscore aaron bradley but it is 100 percent cat content um, <laughs> vegetables that walk into well, my office. You're lucky because the Venn diagram of crazy cat ladies and stallion pancake podcast listeners is very high. Um, I have uh, got a lot of those. <laughs> the like best thing that happened to me in 2020 is um, one of my friends had a litter of kittens under her um, porch that I took one of, and I gradually turned this small cat into a dog, and he's just <laughs> the most delightful creature. So he is the star of my Instagram currently. My Instagram is just um, at strongveganchef. Uh, if you want to follow uh, a wannabe powerlifter and a wrestling enthusiast, head on over to there to see that. But definitely Freshlist CLT on our Instagram. Uh, I'm handling a lot of the media with Caroline's help and uh, really just trying to keep that as a landing page so that if you want to know what's going on around town, you can look at our local food updates, which we're trying to put out every Thursday, which is just like a three or four minute Instagram uh, IGTV video of me being like, head on over to this pop-up at free range. This is happening you know, January 13th from six to eight nonsense and updating people on what's coming in and what's new to the website. Like we just got these awesome chips from Low Country Kettle, which I'm really excited about. Like Aaron was saying, we're gonna have pot pie soon. So you'll be hearing me talk about that. We just brought on Old North Shrub from Jamie Swafford, the chef's farmer. And this week I was making a little mocktail on our IGTV for dry January. So definitely just peep in the Instagram. And, and then obviously if you're a retail customer, a home consumer, uh, reading Caroline's email, because that's gonna be full of what's going on and what's really current. That's awesome. You guys are doing great work. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, have a great week, everyone. Mm-hmm.